We've got some hey, fresh I'm new Luis. And I'm Luis. And you're listening to the Content is Profit podcast. We spent the last four years learning the strategies and techniques from some of the top marketers in the world on how to create content that turns into profit. If you'd like to learn more about how to turn your content into profit, go to contentisprofit.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go That's now. Right, guys, today. The power of words and how you can use them to generate over seven figures in sales. <gasps> Who wouldn't like that? Oh man, that's amazing. Right? I know. I, I've never been a, a good writer or anything. So this like this is amazing for me. But before we get started, please go ahead and subscribe to the Content is Profit podcast. Hit smash that subscribe button and make sure to follow us on social media at BizBrosGo. We're happy to respond to any DMs that come that way. That's relating right. to content marketing any any sales anything. yeah and if you want to support us guys please share this podcast and leave us a review thank you so much yeah also so today's guest is not only a great friend but one of our current coaches we met him at a live event in which we decided to make our biggest investment to date i remember the exact moment we were like sitting down staring at that timer sweating feeling the jitters right in our bellies <laughs> thinking to ourselves, are we really going to do this? Look at one of those coaches. He looks so young. Freaking out is an understatement. But wow, has he delivered. That's right. And so the adventure began. We soon discovered that regardless of his young appearance, he was a seasoned marketer with the gift of turning simple stories into powerful and profitable sales letters. His magic fingers have generated over seven figures in sales. Wait, check this out. He even sold an 85,000 package in his underwear when he was only 23. And, and, hold on, he had his work feature in the Super Bowl. That is incredible, guys. Please welcome our incredible coach, Season marketer and the captain underpants of copywriting, Mr. <laughs> Austin Dixon! Yeah, yeah! <laughs> that is arguably the coolest intro I've ever been a part of. <laughs> yes! Awesome, Austin. Welcome to the show, man, and thank you for that, too. I mean, we're so excited. We are so excited to have you here, man. Like, we, we see your record, like your coaching every single week, but. And I think the hype is always real. Do you know every time we're going to hear you speak, it's like, yeah, let's go, Austin. <laughs> I, know. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it means a lot. It's, it's been fun getting to know you guys. So Awesome, man. Thank you. Just so you know, like the, the pressure was on when we were trying to write this intro. We're like, oh, my God, we're introducing probably like one of the best copywriters out there now. What do we do? So <laughs> yeah. just be completely honest. What do you think about not just the whole experience, but the, the copy, like the words <laughs> of that intro? <laughs> It, it, it was great. It was great. You guys are, uh, yeah, you guys are, are picking it up. Let's go. There you go. Good. We've been learning. That's right. Right from the best right here. Awesome. Austin. Well, you know, uh, obviously we're incredibly excited and honored to have you on the show. So uh, just share a little bit with the audience, right? Like who's Austin Dixon? You know, how do you start this whole journey into the marketing world and, uh, and what you do now? Yeah, for sure. Uh, my journey started... I feel like it's a lot of the internet marketers in the in the space. It's it's very similar to the stories that you hear. You know, I was I was in a job that I hated, um, and, and I'm going to give you the quick and dirty version, right? So Let's I was in, in a nine to five. I hated after college, was was getting paid peanuts and kind of living in a cardboard box with three of my fraternity brothers in L.A. 
uh, got to a point one day where I was just kind of sick and tired of not making any money. And I dove down the rabbit hole of how do you make money online? Uh, started, you know, seeing a bunch of a bunch of kids my age. I remember there was an article that I saw of some 26 year old that was making like, you know, a couple hundred grand a month. And I was like, what? How is that even feasible? So, um, yeah. yeah, really just started going down the rabbit hole and figuring out like, how do you start an online business? The first like a real dollar and it wasn't even a dollar that I made, but the first real money that I made online was from a little like travel blog that I had set up and I was running while I was still in my job. But that like 12 cents that I made from placing a little Google ad on my blog quickly snowballed into like, holy crap, if I can make that 12 cents, I just got to figure out how to do that more than once. Yeah. And uh, yeah, shortly after that, I mean, I, I was just really, really sick and tired of, of working the nine to five, ended up quitting starting a little digital marketing agency with a buddy from back home. And uh, yeah, it's been four years of just kind of, you know, putting my nose to the grind and uh, studying marketing and how do you, you know, effectively go from nothing and a complete stranger to someone on the internet to actually being able to get them to pull out their credit card and buy from you. And uh, yeah, I just, I really obsess over everything as you guys have seen, so. Yeah, no, I, I I love the story. I actually didn't know that you lived in LA. I, I, I don't think I knew that part of your story. And mm -hmm. I didn't know the 12 cents part of the story too, right? Which I think is such an iconic moment for every entrepreneur when they yeah. make their first sale, right? It's like, Absolutely. whoa, like what did just happen, right? Yeah. Um, and the fact that it was, I mean, it's 12 cents, right? Like, let's be real. Like, why can't we get with, buy with 12 cents? But, yeah, it's not, it's not going to change my life. Yeah, but the <laughs> amount of belief that it created, right? And like you said, it's noble too, where you are right mm -hmm. now, that's impressive. So again, the people that are listening to this, don't get discouraged if you make a $1 sale or a 12 cent sale, because, you know, like that should be motivation and build your belief that you can actually do it. Yeah, I love For it. Sure. So, so you mentioned there that it has been like a continuous like learning process, like, hey, nose to the ground let's do let's do the mm -hmm. grind let's learn let's do our stuff like uh when kind of like in that journey as soon as you started did this happen like where your mind's like shoot i need to like stay on top of this i need to like up my level in any way possible and then how do you find the people that you are learning from basically for sure yeah so i look back and uh like i said i've been i've been an online entrepreneur for about four years now i, I quit my job back in may of 2016 um, at the time, like I said, I was, I, I knew how to build like WordPress websites. So that's what I was doing when I left my job. Yeah. And then I partnered up with a buddy of mine that knew how to do SEO. So we were officially a digital marketing agency yeah. and the first year of business absolutely sucked. Um, you know, it was eating dirt. I was living back with my dad. We were working out of his unfinished basement and just trying to figure things out at the end of the day. Uh, during that time as well, I had actually started literally right before I left LA, I'd actually started another like kind of side hustle business with yeah. a good college buddy, literally one of my best friends in the world. And what we were doing is uh, Snapchat geo filter marketing. So Snapchat yeah. had literally just released geo filters on their app. Yeah. And, you know, they, they were being used for like birthday parties and weddings and whatnot. And the classic marketer in me was like, wait a second. Like, why don't we just go sell these geo filters? Like, they're cool for weddings and birthdays, and let's see if we can we can make a little cash doing that. But like, it's also a cool marketing tool. Why don't we go yeah. see if we can if we can sell this to uh, to other brands? Yeah, that's cool. So, um, 
yeah, the first year of, of being an, an internet marketer was really just like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Let me figure <laughs> it out. Trial by error. Let me, you know, learn. Let me follow people. I never, I wasn't investing in info product courses. So it was like, how much free information can I grab from, from these Facebook groups and from these forums and whatnot? Yeah. Uh, so it was really up and down, but it was funny because even that year, like within the first year, that's when I sold that, um, $85,000 package that you guys mentioned in the intro. Yeah. And that to me, uh, going from making your first 12 cents <laughs> to within the first year, selling an $85,000 package to like a legit established company. Yeah. Massive amounts of belief patterns got oh. broken down with that. Oh, so, so that's a massive jump, right? Like how, what are those elements that allowed you to, to, to make that jump? Because obviously from 12, like, was this something that happened within a year? Was this something that happened over a period of time? I mean, $85,000, yeah. you know, that's way more than a lot of people even making a year as, as their salary. That's more than what For we made sure. in our first three years yeah. as yeah. a company, right? What's uh, what's funny about it, and I didn't expect to talk about this, but it's literally perfect for your guys' show because content is profit. Uh, I had, I, I, admittedly, I'm not a huge football guy. I'm a, I'm a basketball player. Um, I was, it was, it was the 20, it would have been the 2016, no, maybe 2017 Super Bowl. Uh, I was sitting at my dad's house watching it with him. And because I'm not a big football guy, like, of course, I'm going to watch the big game, yeah. but I was working during it. And what I was doing is I was actually kind of dissecting all of the big Super Bowl commercials. You guys know me. I'm, I'm a complete marketing <laughs> and advertising nerd. I love it. So I'm sitting data, there data, data. and dissecting all of the commercials because, you know, all of these other advertisers and marketers, like, they'll post blog posts about which commercials won, which commercials didn't. So I remember I had like a little, a little personal branding website and I posted a blog post about what brand that I thought had the best commercial at the Super Bowl. And that brand that year was uh, Avocados from Mexico. So sure enough, I post this blog and like my blogs probably got like three readers every time <laughs> I posted. Somehow, uh, I think I had Twitter at the time. I definitely have never really been on Twitter, but I think yeah. I had Twitter at the time. And I remember tweeting it out and tagging avocados from Mexico. And the following week, I got an email from their marketing director that basically said, Hey, we read your blog. Um, it's really spot on and you dissected our commercial perfectly. And like the goal of the commercial, whereas a lot of the big publications that posted about us didn't understand what we were trying to do. Wow. We see that you run this Snapchat geo, geo filter marketing thing. We want to get into Snapchat, but we don't know how to do it. Do you want to jump on the phone call and chat about how you guys could potentially help us? Wow. Game changer. A, a, a blog that I was publishing to that typically got like three readers on each blog post somehow ended up in the hands of the marketing director of this huge corporation. And then fast forward a few weeks after that, me and my partner, we put together a little pitch deck. Um, I pitched them. I had to wake up at like, 530 because of the time zone and I'm sitting there on the on like a little video call in my underwear pitched them this $85,000 kind of like annual marketing plan for snapchat geo filters and sure enough we uh we ended up closing the deal so it's funny how wow. one oh. little blog post that I published I, I love it I have goosebumps right yeah, now yeah it's, this <laughs> is, it is so exciting because I mean one of people's complaints are like oh but I, I don't have viewers you know like every single time it's like nobody's watching like it doesn't matter like you never know where this can go right and i think yep. we actually referred this in the previous episode 
Um, there's a book by, I think his name is Alex Barker, and the book is called Barking Up the Wrong Tree. And he explains that extroverts get luckier than introverts. And the only reason is because they put their, themselves out there more, therefore they encounter more opportunities. So mm -hmm. it's the same thing with content, what you did, right? Like, even if you had three readers, mm -hmm. you kept posting and posting, and eventually you were putting yourself in front of these opportunities and eventually got this massive, massive win. Yeah. Um, I, I love this because uh, we actually tested this out. You know, when uh, when we were like at Offer Lab, we talked about doing an offer, making an offer, right? As, as many offers as you can, you know, it's directly correlated to this. And obviously those, those mm -hmm. offers in our world uh, are through content. So <clears throat> I remember doing that, that experiment. We're like, hey, we're looking for five people, right? And uh, we weren't expecting anything. Oh, I yeah. think out of those five people, we got like 20 phone calls. And every one of them was people that we never thought, like they were watching the show or looking at the content. And we call these guys uh, silent watchers. And uh, our first which is super funny that the, the reason I have goosebumps right now with your story is because the we had something very similar with uh, with a video that we posted that it was 11 at night. We didn't want to do it. We were like, oh my God, let's stay, con let's stay committed. And we're like, okay, let's do this thing. And it was like a dissection of, of a post actually that we did for one mm -hmm. of our clients. And that originated this series of events that landed our biggest client ever, that it was an $85,000 a year contract. It's insane. Yeah. So yeah. that's that. why I'm like, oh my God, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is, all that is super, super cool. I want to go back a little bit, right? Because you've mentioned that you dived in, that you've been, right, learning a lot. And, you know, I actually heard this recently and kind of like, entrepreneurs hide behind the learning sometimes, mm. right? Like there's so much out there, so many courses, so many things to learn. And we're constantly looking, right? What is called the shiny object syndrome. We're constantly looking for the next big thing. What can I learn? Yeah. This is the next thing that is going to take me to the $1 million, whatever, right? But you also mentioned that you were dissecting this, uh, you were working slash learning, dissecting and all that. So I, wa I want to find there, right? Like, what is the right balance of learning for, for people that are watching this? Because they need yeah, to sure. implement and take action, right? And yeah. something that relates is like the, the dissecting that you were doing, as it is learning, but at the same time is taking action. So what pointers can you give there to people? Yeah, I mean, I'll, uh, what I've said so far makes it seem like things clicked for me right away. And that is far from the truth because it took me about three years, Yeah. even if I felt like I was a good marketer because I was studying marketing and so on and so forth, it took me three years to finally understand how to run a healthy internet business. And the reason being, I really do full circle here, comes back to content. At the end of the day, you know, content is, it's all about distribution. And like you said, the number of offers that you make typically correlate to the amount of money that you're making as well, right? The amount of, the, of sales you're closing. And looking back at the first three years, I was like the majority of online business owners out there. And I took the Gary Vee approach of I need to be on every social media platform and I need to be publishing everywhere and so on and so forth. And what that did for me is opposite of what I thought it was going to do for me, right? You do that because you think it's going to make you a bunch of sales and so on and so forth. What I was missing is really diving into like a singular channel and understanding how to make my offers 
through that channel. Because at the end of the day, every, you know, Instagram, Facebook, email marketing, Pinterest, they all have their own quirks, right? Yep. And it's like a little game. How do you how do you game this system to get your content in front of more people? Um, if you're spending time constantly trying to learn different games, that's taken away from the amount of time that you can master making an offer on a specific channel. So for me, once I realized that, things changed because I doubled down for me with emails. Emails to me, uh, I really saw, I got sick of battling the algorithms and trying to get my content out there <laughs> and really started to adopt like the thousand true fans mentality of, hey, if I can just get a thousand people on my email list that show up, that open my emails, that read them, that click on them, I can have a really healthy business long-term. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with that said, if that channel for, you know, Joe Schmo down the road is Facebook, like double down on Facebook, right? If it's Instagram, double down on Instagram. But for so long, like I said, for three years, I was trying to do it all. Uh, and it took away from me understanding how to make offers on one specific channel. Yeah, I, I, I think what you said is super interesting because uh, a lot of the people on the, on the, the kind of like high-end clients that, that we work with is like, hey, I want to be everywhere, right? And, and we came up to this like epiphany the other day. It's like, okay, you talk you talk about audience all the time. It's like, where's your audience? Where's your audience? Where's your audience? And uh, we kind of like crafting this this uh, equation, right? It's like we discover through our Facebook lives and our show is like, okay, we show up consistently, right? We show up frequently. So consistency plus frequency helps you grab that traction. But then the yep. key element there is like, where is your audience? Like you said, for you, that meant email, which, you know, it's amazing because uh, you have a unique take on, on content. Everybody thinks mm -hmm. I got to be producing video. I got to be doing this. And yes, video is very, versatile and it's amazing right and we use it on, on lives but it's amazing that you found that point where you, you identify where my audience is and where they're gonna show up and where am i gonna show up with the least amount of friction totally. and then totally dove in so uh that's yep. amazing and i love that point yeah um and you talk about omnipresence right like because of course we see gary v all these marketers that they have mm -hmm. teams that they pay lots of money to Mm -hmm. And obviously they, they have the ability to be everywhere at all times, right? And we were thinking the other day and we're like, so if I'm only on Facebook, right? And let's say, I know you do long form copy on Facebook sometimes. And I'm like, let's say I'm on Facebook and I see Austin all the time writing his copy. For mm -hmm. me, Austin is omnipresent because I'm, I'm only on Facebook and I'm seeing him everywhere. Yep. So we got to the conclusion pretty much like, huh? So like omnipresence could be relative you know, to whoever is speaking, whoever is creating that content. And the yep. key factor right there is the audience, right? Like, where is my audience? Let me be omnipresent for them by doubling down and putting my focus in that platform, like you said. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, like, omnipresence, yeah, I really look at marketing in twofold, right? There's the organic side and there's the paid side. Um, for the vast majority of business owners, it doesn't make sense to try to be omnipresent organically. The goal when it comes to omnipresent marketing is to be everywhere on the internet. And how you do that is with paid traffic, right? Yep. You're scrolling on you know, an article on Business Insider and you see ads from a supplement that you engage with their video over on Facebook. So if like I didn't understand that as I was a solopreneur and trying to be everywhere, that holy crap, wait a second. That makes sense for those businesses. It doesn't make sense for where I'm at right now. That's right. And I think that last 
phrase where I'm at right now is so key to understand because I think some people think they need to act like five years down the road, right? And I know mm -hmm. you and Steve say it all the time, like, look at the next problem that you have right in front of you. Yeah. I, I, I think that has been a huge takeaway uh, from yep. you guys for us because we were always like, okay, what do we need to do um, for five years ahead? It's like, no, like, this is our immediate problem. Let's solve this right now. And I, I feel like that's kind of like how we're operating now. We're like, okay, what is the immediate problem that we can solve that is going to lead us to the next yep. thing? Yeah, so so when you identified uh, email, right? He's like, this is my channel. Uh, these are the benefits. I'm willing to, you know, to put in the work for this. Like, what was your next step right after that? Were you incredibly amazing from the right from from the very beginning oh, oh. absolutely <laughs> yeah i think uh you you hit on it earlier and it's consistency um i look at organic content these days of first and foremost what do i enjoy doing do i enjoy having to show up every day on a facebook live or sit in a facebook group and answer questions no it's just it's just not my personality i would much rather train myself each and every morning or sometimes i'll do it in the evening of just sitting down and like just writing an email and letting things flow. And what's funny is that once I finally figured out what I like doing and what makes me happy and what I can be consistent with, sure enough, results followed, right? I have people that reply to my emails. I, I just yeah. sent one out the other day and the amount of people that replied back to me saying, I literally wait for your emails to hit my inbox every day, <laughs> blows me away. And that's not to toot my own horn, but it's to say that consistency matters. People, uh, one thing I really love that Gary Vee says is like every business, every brand needs to think of themselves as a, a, a broadcast, right? They need to have a regularly scheduled program, just like what you guys are doing, right? You, you record these podcast episodes, you let people know the time you recorded them. It's live on Facebook. People know where to show up and when to show up. That is extremely important. And you as the business owner have to tell people those things and then also fulfill on that promise and actually deliver. Right. So yeah. for me, it was, you know, like I said, I spent three years trying to be everywhere. And because of it, I was extremely inconsistent. I was on Instagram for three weeks straight and then I drop off. And then I was trying to do a Facebook group for two months and then I drop off because I couldn't be consistent with it. Yeah. I, I, th that's such a powerful topic there. And for you guys listening or watching right now, uh, we often see and we hop on calls like everybody's like, hey, you know, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Okay, have you been able to publish consistently? Like what is that minimum viable content that's going to allow you within your resources, either time or money to stay consistent? It, does that mean three times a week? Does that mean like once a week, twice a week? Mm -hmm. Just making sure that you can stick to that and then build up on that. And that's, I think, what we did with like the 45 Live story and then season mm -hmm. one and season two of 45 Live. Uh, yeah. And it's because everybody knew that we're going to be there every single day. And then we took it to a different level with the show and we're like, okay, we got to put a schedule. And what has, what that has done is I created pressure, probably like you too. Like, okay, I seen the benefit of like my audience, like reading these emails and I'm so motivated. I'm like, we have to show up. Like right before yep. we were like about to, to go on with you. I'm like, dude, Fonzie, I feel like it's game day. Like it, it, the jitters, <laughs> yeah. the same thing, the excitement, you know, yep. we come from soccer players. It was like, this is exactly how be how this should feel because it should feel enjoyable um, so we can do it consistently over time. Yeah, yep. um, I think it comes down to putting down the work, you know, like those 10,000 hours. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are just not willing to do that. Or maybe they think they're willing to do that, but they're ex they are expecting like 
that immediate gratification like oh i'm gonna send one email i'm gonna have a bunch of cells yep. it's like no right and sure. what i'm taking out of your story is like you have put the work like hardcore and actually yeah. when i when i first met you that was one of my first impressions because i'm gonna be honest like when i first met you um at that moment i i still had obviously a bunch of self like limiting beliefs and one of those was the the comparison game right which yeah, is horrible sure. uh i mean you are around my, my same age so i was like whoa how does this person like is with like working right next to steve larson like that's right. crazy right that's insane um and i wasn't looking at it in a negative way but but it made me think like okay, what am i doing right and then i started listening to you talk and like how you teach and everything and i'm like wow this is really cool like you can tell he knows what he's talking about he has put down the work and i think that's what i'm trying to get across for the people like don't yeah. be like thinking of that immediate gratification like what what am I going to achieve with this next step? It's like, no, the achievement maybe may come on like step 150. Sure. And I mean, with, with my emails in particular, I, it was literally last April. I was living in Denver and I told myself, Hey, look, I started to, to get like, I, I really believe emails, a super under leveraged channel by a lot of, a lot of business owners. And yeah. I said, Hey, look, email your list for a year, show up consistently, try to write a daily email for your list for a full year and just see what happens. And so when I began that process, was I the best copywriter? No. Am I the best copywriter a year later? Absolutely not. Yeah. But seeing the progression of my copy as a, a year later, amazing. Seeing yeah. the loyalty of my subscribers a year later, even more amazing, right? Because it goes back to what we talked about. People know that I'll show up. And when it comes time to make a buying decision, that is an extremely powerful feeling for them to have towards you because yeah. they know that if they buy this product from you that you'll show up there as well i love That's it right. so, so sorry sorry before ahead, you ask you your go, question yeah. i just want to say that you remind <laughs> for those that know who this person i'm going to mention is you remind me so much of ben settle you're like yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah I'm, i'm like dude austin is like a younger version of of ben settle So, that's great yeah. that music to my ears he's definitely he's one of the email marketers i study so i actually like i read his emails almost every day i'm like wow like this is so cool how he writes yeah and mm -hmm. i love his personality too but all right that was a big <laughs> right there awesome so so uh, i want to dive in a little bit more on like the email site right because mm -hmm. um like you said it's such an underutilized tool email marketers I, th I feel like they have it down. They're like, they know the value of it, you know, especially if you're around people like Russell Branson, like he preaches mm -hmm. like this thing, right? But we worked for a long time with brick and mortars, still do. And uh, every time we tell them, hey, you get us an, e an email to your subscribers. It's like a taboo topic. It's like, get away from me. Like, don't even like think about it. And we, I actually worked for a company that we were only allowed to send one email a month. How do you like build a relationship that, that was, way? That was so painful. That was very painful. <laughs> and we fought our way and I like put in my personal email, like through the work and th th these offers and stuff like that. So what would you say or like, what would be some piece of advice, right? For people listening right now that maybe own a business and, and don't feel as comfortable sharing that or, 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 or sending that email because maybe they're going to lose subscribers or maybe because they're going to lose an audience. Like, what would you say to them? For sure. I love when people unsubscribe from my list because it means they weren't a good fit for it. So um, one of the most powerful things that I've learned through being consistent, like with with email marketing is the fact that 
Oftentimes, people are looking for an escape from reality. What I mean by that is I recently pulled my email subscribers and I said, hey, look, I'm just curious, like, what's your feedback? Why do you follow me? Why do you open my emails? And the feedback I got was surprising on one end, but also not surprising because a lot of the answers I got is, hey, I joined your list because I wanted to learn marketing and sales and funnels and so on and so internet marketing. But yeah. I stay on your list because I feel like I know you. I feel like you're a friend. If I saw you in the street, I could come and just strike up a conversation with you. People read my emails because they're more interested in me than oftentimes what I have to offer. And what's funny is that what I have to offer can benefit them. So once again, when it comes time to sell, the sale is very organic. Hey, you've been following me. I feel like a friend. I have this thing that I created that can help you. Click here to buy it. And sure enough, like that relationship is extremely powerful. So when it comes to people who, yeah, worry about, you know, unsubscriptions or worry about turning people off and whatnot because of emailing frequently or, you know, just what to put in your emails, I've always found like <laughs> stories always work best. And I know, I know that probably seems like uh, not a huge light bulb and whatnot, but at the end of the day, People want to know you, even if you're a big, this, this is why us internet marketers can beat out big box brands because we understand humans buy from humans. They're not yeah. trying to buy from some stale brand out there. That's just slinging another product. They want someone they can connect with and someone that they feel like they're, you know, friends with, or that if they saw them out in public, they would be able to come up and say hi to them. Yeah. And, uh, for me, the best area I've been able to create that relationship with my followers has been through email for sure. So, I mean, there's a phrase that Steve says pretty often that is they come for your product, but they stay because of you. Right. And that is exactly what I'm listening to right now. But a lot of people, they might be debating on like, oh, but I'm not funny enough or I don't right? like they they have again, they have these beliefs that they are mm -hmm. maybe not worthy of other people's attention. Right. And yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how many emails it took you to find your personality, like your style. Uh, mm -hmm. I know Steve said it took him like, I don't know if it was like 50 or 100 episodes to like right. find his voice. So what would you say to these people that are doubting themselves? They don't know exactly maybe like who they are. Yep. The biggest thing that I told myself when I first started emailing my list was Hey, you've committed to writing emails for a year, figure out how to do it so that it doesn't suck. What I mean by that is that for a while, it was probably for like three months. Every time I sat down to write an email to my list, I trained myself not to hit backspace. Mm. And the reason being is that I found myself early on, always second guessing what I was writing. Ooh, should I be telling this story? Ooh, does that sound weird? And what those objections were, were objections to, they, they were ego-driven objections, right? Yeah. It wasn't, oh, is this the right content to put out? It was, oh, I'm afraid of looking like an idiot, or I'm afraid of my audience knowing this about me. And what's funny is once I started to hit, or stopped hitting backspace, and I started just letting the words kind of flow and, and emails get sent, guess what happened? Those things that I thought were going to turn people off were the exact things that turned people on and kept them. Yeah. So at the end, you know what the, the big lesson to take from that is like your mind as a marketer and entrepreneur will always play tricks on you. And what you think matters most often matters least to your subscribers. Yeah. Um, 
if you feel like you're a, a boring person or you feel like you know you, you're not funny, you have something every single day that someone can relate to. And even if it's just one person on your list, right? Yeah. So what I'll do is I will take stories from my everyday. If I, you know, go out to eat and the waiter does a terrible job upselling me, I'll write to my list about it and be like, hey, look, yeah. I was waiting to be sold by my waiter and here's how they messed up. You can apply this to your business. Yeah. So just understanding that like at the end of the day, there's only so many lessons I can teach with marketing and sales, right? There's there's frameworks that we follow to build internet businesses. Yeah. But I can always put a new spin on it by telling a different story from something that happened to me today or something that happened to me when I was a little kid. And that's what people care about. Yeah. yeah. I I love that. Um especially because like people get so caught up on the I don't know what I'm gonna say, right? And the fact that you said like you can teach the same lesson through different stories. Mm -hmm. That actually right there is super, super viable. Um, and yep. something that I've noticed that has happened to us while we're, we've been doing the 45 Live and especially this podcast <laughs> is that creating content is kind of therapeutic, right? And oh, big time. Ho hopefully I didn't butcher that word, but... It, it, <laughs> no, you nailed it. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Um, yes. But it, like, I, I found, I don't know, like it, it's blown my mind how speaking the words and putting my thoughts out there, how it helps me to think later and kind of like see what I do, did wrong. How can I improve if what I'm saying, yeah. like, is the right thing or whatnot? And I think that is the best way to grow. I, I, like I've been amazed. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about. Not hitting the backspace, right? Like just put it out there, just do it, send it and, sure. and you're going to be getting feedback. The number of times I send an email out and I'm like, shit, I should have said this in this way, but it's like, at least I got it out in an exactly. efficient manner and now I can move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it, we talk often about that minimal viable content. For us was removing all kinds of, of friction. For you was like, you, I'm removing the friction of not hitting the backspace or rereading it before I send yep. it. For yep. us was like, I don't want to edit. Fonzie was a perfectionist at some point. I oh. think like not anymore ish. I, mean, I, I, I have the, I have it inside. I'm like, God, like totally get it. I want to fix hey. it. And then I'm like, no. <laughs> and that's the one reason why we decided to go live because we didn't have all that friction of editing or the uh, scripting yeah. or whatnot. We're like, Hey, as soon as you hit that red button, that's it. You go in and, and, and you throw out your message and yeah, we're going to mess it's up. And that's time. It's showtime. I mean, the biggest example here was. I think it was Marley Jacks. Yeah, Marley. Marley was on the show like, oh my God, Funnel Hacking Live speaker on the show. And it, the technology fluked, fluked on us. And uh, it, was it, it was like, it was terrible. It was, oh my God, but you know, we made it such a, an yeah. experience. And it's like, you know what? It is what it is. It's live. She had a good time. We had a good time. And it's out there and the video's out there. That's Whatever, like yeah. we're learning. It doesn't matter. Like I, I, I honestly think perfection happens because people are worried what others are going to think if they don't think it's perfect. Right, because yep. I, I know for a fact that was me that I'm like, oh, I want it to look nice, so they're not, they're gonna think that I'm an awesome marketer. It's like, yeah, no, like that's not it. Like, qual again, and we say this all the time: quality of the message over quality yep. of the production all the time. Nail your message first, and like people are gonna relate to you. Be be yep. vulnerable, right? That vulnerability. Piggy piggybacking off that, I really think like a big reason I forced myself to not hit backspace is because I'm naturally a perfectionist and it forced me to get uncomfortable yeah. understanding that no one cares if I make a typo or I put an extra period or I miss a comma. What they care about is the value that I can provide to them and how I can entertain them. 
So yeah, it was it was literally me forcing myself to like not be a perfectionist. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you get a, like a grammar police in your emails, you'll probably be like, uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. So, so question two, because uh, obviously part of the audience is, okay, they might not be super familiar with the digital marketing world is, you know, mm -hmm. where there might be diving first steps into, into content creation. Maybe they don't want to be that attractive character. They don't want to be the face of either the business or that company in front of like on their content, but they still have to publish because they know they have to, and it, it brings so much benefit. What would you recommend somebody like that, that doesn't want to be that attractive character? What are some things that they can do to still play this content game? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think the hidden benefit of publishing and content creation is discovery. Real talk. I mean, I, I was a, a spoiled kid growing up, middle-class family. My parents always made sure that me and my siblings, you know, had everything we ever wanted, um, had a great friend group, went to a great school, went to a great college, like everything. I, I, have, I have no complaints about, you know, my upbringing and whatnot. And what's funny is when I got yeah. into entrepreneurship, because of that, I was broken, man. I, I didn't know how to keep money. I didn't know how to sell because everything had always been kind of handed to me and whatnot. And it wasn't until I started publishing that I really under, started to understand who I was as a person. Why do I think in the way I do? Why do yeah. I act in the way I do? Um, sometimes I'll write, like literally I, I wrote an email to my list last night about like the you know little devil that lives inside of our head and understanding that like there's always going to be a voice telling you to not do the thing or go procrastinate or go do this and fill your, fill your time up with yeah. entertainment when you need to sit down and write emails or you need to sit down and publish. And so through publishing consistently, you, you learn to tame that voice, right? Um, you cannot put a price on that because at the end of the day, business is business, right? We all yeah. build businesses to help influence people to, you know, try to reach financial freedom, whatever that looks like to you. Um, there's all these kind of external things that we're looking for as entrepreneurs. Yeah. Nothing puts a price on understanding who you are as a human and how you relate to other humans as well. And nothing gets you there quicker than publishing consistently, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I agree 100%. Like that, <laughs> since we started publishing, it has been we're, the... We're, we're pulling the emotional strings now, but, yeah. it, but it's true. No, but, like, it, but, yeah. but it's true. Like Fonsi was saying earlier, uh, it, it does feel like therapy because like yeah. every time we get out here, we are able to, to not only be ourselves, but also like grab those thoughts that might be foggy in our head, just put it in words and get it out. And we receive immediate feedback, either from the yep. audience, from the people that we interview, and having these amazing from, conversations. From yourself. Even for, <laughs> from ourselves, from Fonzie here. I mean, how many times he's kicking me under the, the, the table, you know? But yeah. uh, but at the same time, it's, it's a growth element that then you can apply that to other parts of life. So like you said, that hidden sure. benefit, we can call it collateral revenue if we want, if we like, yeah, nice. right? It's like, it's gonna add so much to the rest of your life so not just mm -hmm. your business but you so um I, i i love that so yeah, yeah. i i've honestly i feel like lately i've been digging a little bit deeper in the the mindset side of things and how you said the self-discovery that comes with publishing mm -hmm. is incredible and i compare to myself what i was three years ago that i was scared of creating a video even though i knew i had to create <laughs> content yeah I mean, I, I remember the exact moment. I was sitting in my room. I was. I finally quit my other job. I was like, I'm gonna do this full time. My brother, my other like five roommates, they left the house. I was alone <laughs> in the computer, looking at Louis at Louis House presentation, and he was talking about publishing. And I was like, 
I know I have to do it. Like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. In my mind, I was just sitting there on the computer like, I'm going to do it. Yes, eventually. <laughs> like, immediately, in that same moment, I just, like, yep. beat myself That's up. And then up. it's like, okay, well, I, then I need the camera. Then I need this. And I stopped right there in the tracks. And it took me three years to get to the point where I was like, you know what? Like, I don't care anymore, like, what people think. Like, if my yeah. friends are really my friends, they're going to support me. They're not going to judge me. For sure. Um, Publish it. Yeah, it, it really forces you to face your imperfections. And the beautiful part about it, I mean, I think back to when I first started doing videos and how much I hated listening to myself. Oh, <laughs> you're so awkward. Your voice sounds funny, blah, 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 blah. All these, all these, you know, self-talk things that we, who likes the sound of their own voice <laughs> on video? Name me someone and like, I'll, I'll shake their hand, right? The beautiful part about that is like, once I got over that and learned to learn to love myself on video, not only did publishing become easier, but also like there's that self-love aspect. I, yeah. I got over my own insecurities and learned to really embrace who I am as an individual and as a man and as a marketer, as a son, as a friend. And like, there's nothing in the world that's that's better than the liberation that comes from that. Yeah. So Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. I actually, talking about videos, we noticed that your YouTube channel, right? Like. You, you were actually like being pretty consistent in yeah. there uh, until about a year, which you telling us a story of when you started focusing and all that stuff. Like now it makes total sense. Yeah, for sure. And it's a, you know, YouTube's one of those channels where, yeah, it's just like, I think YouTube's an amazing channel um, where I'm at right now and just everything that's going on. It hasn't been a priority, but uh, yeah, it's, it's the same thing of these days. I, I will, until the day I die, email my list. It is something that... I love doing, I can be extremely consistent with it. And I've gotten over the the mental speed bumps that come from publishing on that channel. Yeah, so. I, I love that's an amazing example on somebody that was pressing different channels and then you were able to identify what am I good at? What do, what do I enjoy doing, right? What What is the, the audience that's providing me the most benefit Versus the mm -hmm. time that I'm investing in this. And you identify that channel as an email yep. instead of trying to keep up and do everything. Because at the end of the day, like if you're not seeing the results, you're going to get burnt out. Right. So it's, sure. it's okay to scale back and then go from there following. Yeah. And, and, and publishing should never feel like a chore. Obviously, it's, it's an extremely important part of, you know, marketing online in 2020 and beyond. But it yeah. should never, ever feel like a chore. And if it is, that's a great indication of you're either on the wrong channel or like you have some things up here that you need to get over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, coming from, you know, like, again, watching all these people sell all these other courses and you, you hear it pretty often sometimes like, oh, email is dead or whatever. And you're like, no, it's not. Um, but like how, you know, because like for us, it has been an issue. Well, it, it was more in the past an issue yeah. where we look up to, way too many people and we try to learn from way too many people right like yeah were you were you ever conflicted with that or or what did you discover that you're like okay i need to focus on one person and learn from that person and then implement yeah for sure i think uh i mean we as entrepreneurs definitely evolve right so the people that i follow these days are different from who i used to follow and so on and so forth um for sure i mean i, I remember times where i was trying to follow especially the first year or two trying to follow anyone and everyone that gave me a glimmer of hope that I could make online business work <laughs> for me, right? Yeah. These days, I'm very selective about what I'm putting in my ears. 
and that extends far beyond just business right yeah uh so yeah like like i look at once again what i enjoy doing in business i look at the skill set that i want to acquire and i also look at you know the people i follow i look at their life outside of business as well right um so yeah i mean these days the the list is definitely slimmer than it used to be and that's that's very intentional because i'm very clear on like we talked about earlier what's what's that next step that yeah. I need to take yeah. and not follow someone that's teaching me 18 steps ahead when I don't need it. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that we've observed too, while, you know, learning from you has been your insatiable thirst from like for data, right? You go in and you're like, you dissect things, you have these swipe files and stuff like that. And sometimes we talk with people about with content, like they, they tell us, hey, like, hey, it's not working. I'm like, why? Well, I don't know. Nobody's watching. But at the end of the day, all these tools give you a ton of information that you can use to to leverage it to to improve and get better, right? So, mm -hmm. I would like to hear from you, like what, like what make you start like looking at this data and uh, and how do you use it now to improve on your content? Yeah, great question. Um, I think it really comes down to my mentality about business. I believe that great businesses are crowd created. What I mean by that is that all of the information you need to build your business is typically out in the marketplace. The people who succeed are the ones that go mine that data and then use it to inform the decisions they make. So the reason I really think this way is because once again, it goes back to I was broke for three years and even though I thought I was a good marketer and understood a lot of this, why is my bank account still empty, right? Yeah. Uh, And I realized that I was guessing and overestimating, underestimating what decisions I was making in my business. Whereas when you flip it around and you say, hey, look, I have this group of people that all have this problem. Let me go figure out how they're talking about it. Let me go figure out how they've tried to solve it in the past and why they failed. And then figure out the new, like a new solution that, yeah. that, is different from what they've tried um, and test it out, put it in front of them and see what they think. Uh, at the end of the day, I think I really understand that with all marketing, two things happens. Either it works and that's the marketing that we scale with paid advertising mm. or guess what happens? It doesn't work. And all we do is we go read the data of why it didn't work. We make a tweak. Sometimes the data tells us, hey, cut this off completely, right? Yeah. This isn't a good idea. Don't pursue it any further. Sometimes it tells us, hey, look, you just need a little tweak to your offer, right? I'm going through this exact thing right now. Uh, one of the side businesses that I do is a supplement business. Okay. And so I literally just wrote a sales letter this past week. I started driving, driving some traffic to it and it wasn't converting. So what do I do? Well, I install, install a little script that shows me how people are going through my sales page and I see where they're getting hung up, right? If they're getting to my offer, they're reading the whole sales page. They're spending 30 minutes on my sales letter and then they get to the offer and they're not buying. What does that tell me? It tells me the offer's wrong, right? Yeah. So sure enough, last night I went and tweaked the offer and within minutes, sale comes through. Yes. That's data, awesome. data, data. And it's not sexy. It's not fun. Like I'll spend hours sitting in Facebook groups or on Reddit, looking at threads and reading comments and putting those into a document. That's not that fun, right? I would, I would much rather be out 
playing basketball or like wake surfing on the lake. Yeah. But what's fun is being able to serve people and get paid because of that service. So yeah. I, I was about to ask you, like, you know, you define it as not fun, but like what, what drives you, right? Like what's, uh, what's that ultimate driver? And, uh, yeah. you know, it comes, it comes back to like enjoying that process and, and the benefit and being able to serve your audience, but specifically what drives Austin Dixon? Oh man, that's a, that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm definitely still discovering a side of that, yeah. um, that I don't have the answer to, but what really drives me right now is understanding that the internet is the most powerful resource on the planet. Uh, I've seen it time and time again, change people's lives for the better or for the worse. And my goal is to not only for myself and my family, but also for other people out there, whether it be one person or 1 million people figure out how my skill set can help positively impact them. Um, I know that's the super cliche entrepreneur, reason and whatnot, but it's true. Like we, we have a tool in front of us that allows us to get in front of millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people with a click of a button. And if I'm not working every day to figure out what problems I can solve and get in front of those people, then I'm not doing my job as an entrepreneur. So I think the, the thirst and, and why I really obsess over, I gotta be honest there. I don't know many other people other than like some of my close friends and colleagues in the marketing space that study as much marketing as I do. And the reason being is understanding like marketing isn't this evil manipulative thing, right? It's this, yeah. it's this beautiful craft that allows us to get great solutions in the hands of people that really need it. And yeah. the more I refine those skill set and continue to be a student of the game, the better I can do that. So I think that's a, uh, that's what, that's what keeps me moving each day for sure. Yeah. I, I love that because a lot of people, I mean, And I think I was at that at that point where when we started, I was thinking, oh, but sales is a little sketchy, right? Like mm -hmm. I need to trick people and like marketing. I'm just trying to get people to like buy something they might not need. And definitely throughout this journey, that has been one of the biggest beliefs probably that yeah. has been yeah. crushed, thrown away, you know? <laughs> Uh, yeah. And is that the fact that we are doing this to help others? Yeah. So, yep. I mean, I'm looking back, I think, okay, the, the, the moments where we close deals, of course, that's exciting. Like, yes, that's amazing. But when people tell you like, hey, thank you so much. Like, because of you, I was able to do X, Y, and Z. That feels way better. Way that better. like that like fills you up. It's like, oh man, this is so yeah. exciting. The money's uh yeah. The the money's a piece of paper, right? It's just this little piece of paper that uh we, we place a value on. Yeah. But the the real value comes from yeah, that feedback we get from our yeah. customers and clients, the stories that we get of how our product took them from this, you know, really, really depressed state that they were in to ultimately getting what they want and like that's at the end of the day what matters right yeah i love it all right austin so uh we're almost at the end of the episode and we always like to leave the audience with some action points right uh it's, it can be as many as you want uh but you know what would be like maybe one or two like pieces of advice that, that they can take action today like super specific to either content creation mindset whatever like what are the things that has helped you in your in your journey right that they can probably implement yeah. right now for sure i would say the uh the 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 biggest one if you're trying to grow your business is yeah find that one channel that 
like you guys talk about, you can create minimum viable content on and be consistent with. Um, I really challenge you to set yourself a goal of, of picking one channel and doing it for a year straight. And there's gonna be times where you mess up, right? There were times throughout the year where I wanted to get an email out and I didn't. Don't beat yourself up about it, but make sure that like you understand you have control over how you let those mistakes dictate mm. the next day. And you could either beat yourself up about it and then give up, or you could keep pushing through. So find one channel, double down on it and produce content on it, you know, consistently every day if possible. Yeah. And then I would say uh, one, one of my, you know, one of the guys I learned from most, I consider him a mentor. I've gotten to hang out with him. I, I consider him a friend as well is uh, Ian Stanley. And one thing that Ian has taught me is that like, because mindset is such a big part of this game and getting over our own ego, uh, I, I really believe in the power of, of meditation these days. And one thing that Ian showed me is the fact that like, just like working out, right? We always have time for what we prioritize. And even if it's taking two minutes out of your day, to like calm your mind and sit in silence and, and figure out, you know, just kind of reprioritize and, and realign, recenter throughout your day. That is an extremely powerful muscle that you need to consistently flex and, and work out and whatnot. So find one channel, be consistent with it. And then even if it's, you know, for two minutes a day, find some time that you can spend, spend with yourself. Dude, I I love that. Thank you for uh, that. Yeah, yes, that that, yeah. that was much needed. I, th I think we. <laughs> sure. I personally like see it in our lives. Like we are on a on a going mindset, right? Like go go. What is the next yeah. thing that we can do? And yeah. honestly, I I just read this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, okay. and it pretty much talk about that it's slowing yeah. down, right? And I tried it. Like these last two weeks, honestly, like I'm like, okay, Sundays, I'm gonna like chill, not like avoid technology, uh, mm -hmm. read, you know, just like let my soul catch up to my body. And on Mondays, I feel it like literally, I feel the It's Monday Baby shirt <laughs> yeah, 120%. Yeah. I'm like, let's yeah, go. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. feels great. I'm, I'm a big believer that slowing down allows you to speed up. Um, it wasn't oh, the case good. for that first three years. I mean, I was working working like a dog, 14, 16, 18-hour days. Uh, and, and sure enough, I, I was running in circles. And once I understood, like, wait a second, just take a step back, slow down, and, yeah. and re-strategize and reprioritize where you're placing your energy, your effort, your, you know, capital at the end yeah. of the day. Um, it's funny how much more productive I became and how much more efficient, you know, making money became at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. So I love it. Well, with yeah. that, Austin, thank you so much. What a way to end the episode. We really, yeah. truly appreciate you being here with us. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. Thank how you can, guys. How can the audience connect with you? How can they get in that awesome email list that you that you have? Yeah, uh, how, for sure. Where, where can they Best, find you? Yeah. Best place to connect with me is definitely on my email list. It's where I uh it's where I, you know, reply to people most as well. So if you go to austinjdixon.com forward slash list, Dixon is D-I-X-O-N. So Austinjdixon.com forward slash list. Uh you'll be able to sign up right there. And yeah, I send out, you know, typically I send out five, six, sometimes seven emails a week. Um, and I would love to have you on there. Awesome. Yeah. Guys, you know Go. what to do. <laughs> Go, you know, like 
overload that page and his list with email addresses. You yeah. got it. <laughs> and uh, with that being said, again, Austin, thank you so much. And uh, to you guys in Contents Profit, thank you so much. Please don't forget to subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. And uh, follow us on social media, at BizRoseGo. Make sure to send us a quick message, a quick hello, and we'll be happy to chat. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you on the next yeah. one.